really is hard to remember to say evening, you know? <laughs> Sorry about that, but God's good. He understands. Actually, he's in a different time zone, so it's actually morning where he is, so it's okay. So I was thinking about this evening, this past week, and for the last couple of weeks. You know, one of the things that always hits me about this time of the year is there are so many good things. There are just so many good things about Christmas. So many things to enjoy, so many things to celebrate. Let me just give you some of the ones that came to my mind as I was thinking about it. Family and friends. You know, we had our little, uh, our Christmas with the little kids uh, this afternoon. So Noah and Bennett and Daniel, they all opened up their presents. And it's just so awesome to be together with them. And tonight, uh, Adam's in town from New York and Jake is in town from L.A. And, and we'll all be together. And just to be with family like that, and, and to friends, some of you who, who I haven't seen for a year, or maybe even longer, to see you here, and to be able to just to, to celebrate and, and to affirm that. It's such a wonderful part of, of, of Christmas. It's one of the really good things about Christmas. Presents. Well, let's just be honest. I mean, it's a good thing, right? Both giving and receiving. There's something joyful about giving presents and, and, and about saying I love you to people. And, and when you've worked hard and you have some of those gifts, and, and we hope we have some tonight for the kids, that they look at and they go, oh, this is cool. This is great. Thank you. And the, the joy of giving those gifts. And, and let's be honest, the joy of receiving gifts. I hope that they've, well, <laughs> I already bought all my own presents, so they're going to do fine for me. But, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, there, there's just the joy of, of giving and receiving, of course, food. Sweets and treats for the cool family. It's fondue Christmas Eve. For Christmas Eve, we always do fondue. Some of you know my, my son Jake. Jake is, is he's just kind of the wild card of the family, right? He's, he's just the one who's out there. But two years ago, Jake or Adam wanted to, do, to change it up and not do fondue on Christmas Eve. And Jake threw a fit. I mean, he became Mr. Traditional. No, that's what we do. It's not Christmas if we don't have fondue. So we will have fondue tonight when we get home. Again, the music is, is awesome, the lights, the, 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 the trees and all that stuff. Programs, kids' Christmas programs, just, they were wonderful here again this year. Stocking stuffs with good things, candles. There are so many, so many good things about Christmas. And as I was thinking about that, I, I thought something that might sound odd, but that I think is really important for us to understand, that's really dangerous, <laughs> That, that's really dangerous. You might say, how can that be, Ron? These are all good things, and they are. They are great things. They're good things, and they're, they're wonderful things, and, and, and they're good things for us to enjoy. But they're dangerous things. And, and what I'm thinking about when I say that is, is that sometimes good things keep us from great things. Some of you are familiar with a guy by the name of Jim Collins, right? He wrote a book called Good to Great. Uh, it's for business executives. A lot of you, maybe if, if you're in business, you've read that book. It's about making companies great. The opening sentence of that book says something really interesting. The opening sentence says this. Good, he says, is the enemy of great. Good is the enemy of great. And what he means by that is, is when a company, when a business is good, too often it's easy to settle, right? It, it, it's too often just kind of easy to say, hey, we're doing good. We're doing good, and good is good enough. And he says they never reach greatness. They never get to the next stage because they don't stay hungry for it. And we're doing good, and, and that's fine. And so they end up settling for it. Now, I'll, I, I'm not a business guy, so I'll let those of you who are decide if that's good, good business sense or if it just makes workaholics or whatever. I'll let you guys decide that. But I think this is exactly true when it comes to Christmas. I think all the good of Christmas is sometimes the enemy of the great. All the good that we experience can be the enemy of the great. And, and, and we can enjoy that. And we can enjoy the music and we enjoy all those things. But if that's all we get out of it, we've missed something. You see, the danger that we need to think about this evening is this, that, that, that we'll settle for a good, maybe even a really good Christmas. I don't want you to have a really good Christmas. I don't want you to settle for a really 
good Christmas. Now, some of you are saying, Ron, you're nuts. (laughs) I'd settle for a good Christmas. I'd settle for a tolerable Christmas, Ron. You don't know my family. You don't know the in-laws I got coming over tomorrow. You don't know what it's going to be like, man. Good is out of the question. I just want tolerable. I just want to get through it without, like, embarrassing anybody. I just don't want to, you know, cause a lot of strife and so on. What are you talking about, that you don't even want us to have a good Christmas? No, I don't want you to settle for a good Christmas because I want you to have so much more. And and the fact of the matter is, as odd as this may sound, if you think you're going to have a bad Christmas, you might be ready for a great Christmas. If you think you're going to have a bad one, you might just be ready for a great one because you won't settle for good. There's something dangerous about a good Christmas. And so my prayer for you is that you have a great, not just good, Christmas. If that's the case, it raises a question, at least it does for me, what what, what makes the difference? Uh, And what makes a a Christmas move from from being a good Christmas to being a great Christmas? What is it it that that makes the difference? How does it become what what it really ought to become? How how do we experience that? How do we get that? How do we find that? How do we not just settle for the music and all the other stuff? I want to suggest that it's core what it comes down to. If Christmas for you this year is going to be great, if Christmas for you this year is going to be life-changing once again, if Christmas for you this year is going to be what God wants it to be, then the heart and the core of it is seeing and receiving God's amazing grace. Because what this day about is about more than anything else is about God's grace. It's about God's grace that comes to us in a little baby, about God's grace that comes to us, to, to a baby born of a, of a virgin mother, unmarried to her really confused father, and, and, and unmarried to the guy. And, and, and it's, it's about God's grace coming into this world. I, I love the way Paul talks about it in the book of Titus. Titus is a book that Paul the apostle writes um, he writes to his younger friend Titus. Titus is a pastor on the island of Crete, and, and that was a tough place to be. You might have heard somebody talk about you're a Cretan, right? I mean, it means you're an oaf. You're, a, you're, you're an idiot. You're a fool. You're, you're just a big, strong dummy. And, 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 and that's, where, that's where Titus was. He, he was trying to form a church there. He was trying to lead people there. And, and it had all the challenges that, that every church has, all the challenges that every family has. Loved ones sometimes died. People got sick. There were fights and spats in the body. There were times when people said foolish things to others. And Titus was getting tired. Titus was just really getting tired. And so Paul writes this word of encouragement. And it's interesting because Paul rarely talks about the birth of Jesus directly. But I love what he says in chapter 2, verse 11. He says, Titus, keep going, keep pushing, keep trying, keep serving, keep loving. For the grace of God has appeared. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. The grace of God has come through. That's what Christmas is about. This is Paul talking about the birth of Jesus. He says, you want to know what happened on that night in Bethlehem? Is that God's grace broke through. In fact, the the word that's translated here, appeared, in the Greek it's also a word that means broken through. It's a word that God's grace has has crashed through. God's grace has has broken through. It, It was the same word that was used of a sun coming up, of a sunrise, huh? I, I don't know if you can think of a time when you've seen the sunrise. I, I don't see it very often. I'll just confess. I am not up at that time in the morning, okay? That ain't me, babe. You know, I'm just not doing that. But I will remember 
being in high school, and a couple of buddies and I went out to Iowa. We had a friend who was out there. We went out to Iowa, and we left late, late, late on uh, Sunday night into Monday morning, and we were driving back across Iowa, and you can see the sunrise from a long way in Iowa because you had nothing in the way, right? And, and it was so dark, and I was so tired, and I was driving. And just as that sun started to break through, just you can see it starting to get lighter, and then it just appears. It just appears, and it's like, oh, yes. Oh, yes, the, the sun is coming up, and then it goes a little further. And, and, and you start to feel the warmth of the day. You start to see the, the, the light, and, and you start to see everything. And it's a brand new day, and it's a start all over. And, and, and that's what Paul is saying. That when Jesus Christ has come, the, the night that Christ was born, it, it, it's, it's like the sun is rising again. It's like a star is piercing the darkness. And, and that's why it's so good for us to gather together in the evening. By the time we get out of here, it'll be pretty close to dark if it's not going to be dark already. And, and we celebrate that the grace of God has appeared, that in this little one, the grace of God has come to us. But what does that mean? What does it mean for us to taste, to experience, to feel that grace? If we see in this child the grace of God that's here, what, what is that grace? Luce Meads in one of his books, and I've talked about this before, but we need to hear it over and over again. Luce Meads in one of his books says that that grace has three faces. There are three parts of God's grace, three parts of the birth of Jesus Christ that we need to grab onto, that we need to understand. And if we are enveloped by these, if you will be just surrounded by God's grace tonight, then your Christmas will be great no matter if it's good or not. Your Christmas will be wonderful no matter whether everything goes the way it's supposed to or not. Three things about it. First of all, God's grace. What happened in Jesus Christ, the God's grace that appeared on that that day is, is that God's grace came and that God's grace is pardon. God's grace is the forgiveness of our sins. God's grace, the birth of Jesus Christ, is the wonderful announcement that that we don't have to pay the price for all of our sins, but that God will wash them away. You know, we live in a world, and and, and just think about that with me. We we live in a world that that, that tells us over and over again, I'm okay and you're okay. You got to feel good about yourself. You got to have high self-esteem. You're okay. Just accept yourself. Everything is fine. You're fine. You know, and, and, and there's a part of that. I say we're creating God's image, and so in one sense, we are amazing. But on the other hand, deep down, Deep down, I think all of us know that, that, that we've sinned, that we've failed. I, I think each and every one of us, each and every one of us lives with a pretty deep sense of brokenness, a pretty deep sense of guilt. I, I mean, I think about it this afternoon even, just the, you know, we, we get together, and, and if there's a time you want to just be happy and joyful, but you know what? I think every one of us said something really dumb and stupid and kind of mean. I know the kids did to each other, and Dad kind of once or twice said something. And I look at that and I think, how can I do that on Christmas Eve? How can I do that? And I know, I know it is so deep in me, that sense of, of, of failure, that the reality of my sin, the reality of the fact that I just can't get it right no matter how hard I try. We, we don't like to admit it. <laughs> None of us like to admit that, that we're sinners. None of us like to admit that we've failed. The fact is, I think we've become experts We've become experts in, in trying to, to deny this, trying to get around this. For me, there are three things that I do. In, in, in when I find myself having done something wrong, there are three things that I do. My guess is that some of you do these same three things. First of all, we deny. It was me. I didn't do that. I didn't say that. I didn't mean it that way. You just took it wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. I, I gave 110% to the relationship. It wasn't my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. And I say it over and over and over again. And at one level, I might be able to convince myself 
At one level, I might be able to convince myself that, yeah, maybe I'm not guilty. Maybe I'm not wrong. Maybe I didn't sin. Maybe I didn't get this. But deep down, I know. Deep down, I know. I did something wrong. I sinned. I hurt somebody. I said something I shouldn't have said, or I did something I shouldn't have done, or I didn't do something when I should have. So I deny it. When I can't do that anymore, then I, then I blame, right? We, we blame it on somebody else. Yeah, I, I did that wrong, but it's not my fault. <laughs> I, I mean, if, if she hadn't done this, then I wouldn't have said that. If, if the boss wasn't always on my back, then I wouldn't come home and yell at the kids. If the kids would pick up their toys, then I wouldn't get mad when I get, get home. And, and, and if my wife showed me any affection, then I wouldn't look at other women. And, and, and it's not really my fault. Don't you understand? And do and you believe how much energy? I mean, just think about how much energy we spend just trying to blame it on somebody else. Just trying to say, it's not my fault. I didn't do it wrong. I, 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 anybody would have done what I did. So we deny, we blame, and then we compare. Okay, it was my fault. I did something wrong, and it was my fault. But it's not near as bad as what other people did. I, I mean, sure, I may drink too much, but I'm not sleeping around with another woman. Sure, I may, you know, drink, but I'm not smoking weed, or I may smoke weed, but I'm not doing crack, or I, I may do this, but I'm not doing that. I mean, I've never killed anybody, and, and I mean, compared to, you know, whoever you want to pick, Molly, Han, Hannah Montana, whoever she is now. But, you know, I mean, compared to her, I am so good. I don't have a problem, and I try to push it away, and, and I deny it, and I blame and I compare, but the fact is, deep down, I know. Deep down, you know. We are guilty. And, and that's why Christmas is so important. Because what God's word says to us tonight is this, grace to you. Grace to you. You want to know something really important? Please, if you get anything tonight, get this. Jesus didn't come to tell you about your sins. He didn't come to tell you about your sins. He didn't come to point them out to you. The fact is, with, with just any sense at all, you know they're there. He doesn't need to, to point them out to you. Jesus didn't come to tell you about your sins. Jesus came to take them away. Jesus was born to die. Jesus was born so that he could die on a cross, so that he could pay the price. And he doesn't come and he say, I've got to tell you where you're wrong, and I've got to tell you where you're wrong, and I've got to tell you where you're wrong, because you all know it. In the middle of the night when you wake up, you feel really rotten about yourself. You feel really lousy about what you've said. You feel really lousy about what you did. You are not the husband or the wife that you want to be. And so Jesus doesn't have to come. And I don't have to come and say, this is all why you're all wrong. This is why you need Jesus. No, if you can be honest with yourself for half a second, then you can listen to Jesus say, I came so that you can be forgiven. Look at, what, look at the angel said to Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, Matthew 1, verse 21. Your wife, Mary, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. God's grace is pardon. Friends, you're forgiven. In Jesus Christ, if you confess your sins, you're forgiven. You don't need to keep playing the games. You don't need to keep carrying the weight. You don't need to keep denying and blaming and, and comparing it with others. You can just be free. I am such a fool. So often I spend so much energy trying to say, yeah, but I'm okay. Yeah, but I didn't do this wrong. Yeah, but I didn't do that wrong. And, and instead of just, just saying, Jesus, 
I'm sorry, I blew it. And hearing him say, I forgive you. God's grace that comes to us, God's grace that appeared, God's grace that was born in Bethlehem, Jesus himself is the pardon that we need. And, and so I just invite you tonight to be honest. Just to be honest about your brokenness. Stop trying to compare it. Stop trying to blame anybody else and just say, God, I've failed. And a little bit when we go around with the candles, and as your candle gets lit, just let, let that experience come of knowing that God forgives you. And as that light comes, know that, that God has just washed away the darkness. God has washed away the sins. If we confess our sins, First John says, then he is faithful and just, and he will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God's grace has appeared. God's grace has come in a baby in Bethlehem, and that grace is first and foremost pardon. Grace is pardon, but grace is more than that. Second, grace is power. Grace is God's power that comes to us. You know what it's like to feel powerless. At times we all feel overwhelmed by the brokenness of life, right? We feel overwhelmed by just, just all that's wrong, by the sicknesses. Thinking about Trisha Goodegaber. If you remember here at this church, you know we prayed for her over and over and over again, and she had a rotten day today. And I just think, God, how do they continue to walk? How do they continue to go forward? The entire, it is so difficult. I look around at some of you who, who buried your spouses this year. And that's really, really painful. There are illnesses that come. And, and at times it just feels like it's all too much. It's overwhelming. We feel overwhelmed by the brokenness. And we feel powerless to change things at times. I've said it before. Again, Lloyd John Ogilvie has said that the five most discouraging words in the English language are, it doesn't make any difference. Right? When you feel like it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't make any difference what I say. It doesn't make any difference what I do. My kids are still messing up. My parents are still struggling. My folks are still going through a divorce. My wife still isn't talking to me, whatever it is. But it is so frustrating to feel powerless. It is so frustrating to feel like there is something wrong and I can't do anything about it. I can't change my job, I can't change my boss, I can't change my spouse, I can't change my kids, and I can't even change myself. And it gets so tiring. I know what's right. When, when, when young people here make profession of faith, one of the questions I often, often ask them is, you know, do you think that more often we do the wrong thing, more often we sin because we don't know what to do or because we just know what to do and we don't do it? And, and, and most of them say, you know, most of the time we know what to do. We just don't do it. I, I know what's right. I know I'm supposed to love and serve and give, and I know I'm supposed to care, and I know I'm not supposed to get ornery, and I know I'm not supposed to say stupid things, but I can't. Stop it. And that sense of powerlessness, that sense of not having the ability to change anything is so difficult. But once again, when we come to Bethlehem, God's word to us is grace to you. Grace to you. Because Jesus came not only to die, Jesus came not only to, 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 to pay the price for our sins, but Jesus came to be with us and to give us power, and to give us strength. And God's grace, that he fills our lives with, God's grace is the power to go forward, the power to continue to serve, the power to continue to love. Again, look at the very next verses out of Matthew 1. 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, right? Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus doesn't come to us and simply say, look, I've forgiven you, now Ron, get it right. I've given you a second chance, now Ron, get it right, stay on the path, and do the right thing time in and time out. Jesus doesn't just say that. What Jesus says is, Ron, I forgive you, and now I'm going to walk with you. And I'm going to give you the strength to start to learn to love the way you want to love, to start to be the husband, the wife, the, the, the child, the parent, the friend, the pastor, the, whatever you are. To be that person. And God's grace that has appeared on this night that we celebrate, God's grace that comes to us is the power. Is the power to start to live the life he calls us to live. The power to endure in the face of really difficult things. I, I know that some of you are just going through some horribly difficult situations right now. And you are just about at the end of your rope. And I just want to say, come to Bethlehem and see Emmanuel, the one whose grace has appeared, the one who is with us. In, in Titus, where it says, you know, God's grace has appeared, Paul, who writes that, goes on and he says, it, the grace of God, teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. God's grace, God's grace is his power. It's his power to teach us to begin to love, to teach us to begin to serve. And so if you come here tonight, and, and you know what it's like to feel powerless. Maybe you say, I'm doing okay on the kilt thing, Ron. But if you say, I know what it's like to live like feeling powerless. I know how frustrated I am that I'm not becoming what God wants me to become. Then maybe right tonight, as you light that candle, and as God's light comes to you, as God's grace appears to you, then tonight what you feel is his power coming over you power of the Holy Spirit at work in you. And if you taste of that grace, if you experience that power, if that grace fills you, then you will have a great Christmas. That's better than, than just listening to the songs. But when you begin to experience that God has forgiven you and that God has empowered you, that God is alive in you, that the Holy Spirit is there, when you have that kind of power, when you know that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, you'll have a great Christmas you'll have a great Christmas. Grace is pardon. Jesus came to die. God's grace is power. Jesus came to be Emmanuel. And God's grace is promise. Someday things are going to be made new. Uh, again, I want to just write to, write to jump right to what Paul says in Titus. Titus 2, verse 13. Again, verse 11 says, the grace of God has appeared, right? The grace of God has broken through like the sun on a new day. God's grace surrounds us. God's grace comes over us, and it washes away our sin. It offers salvations to everybody, and it gives us power. It teaches us, verse 12, to say no. And, and then verse 13, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, Paul knows that as we remember the first coming of Jesus Christ, we look forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ. That word is exactly the same word, okay? That Jesus Christ has appeared. It's epiphany, if you kind of pay attention to some of the church calendar stuff. It's that Jesus has epiphany, that he's shown up. God has broken through. And, and as we remember tonight that God broke through and was born in the little baby Jesus in Bethlehem, as we remember that, we also look forward to the fact that he's going to come back. He's going to come back, and he's going to make all things new. That's what God's grace is. It's the promise that one day all things will be made new. And we, we read about that in Revelation 21. Verses 1 and 2, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. The sea was always a bad thing for the Israelites. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. We got a taste of it in Jesus. We got the presence of God in Jesus. But one day, he's going to come back, and we are going to get the fullness, and everything is going to be set right. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their guide, their God. And then these words, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has Can you imagine it? I mean, can you imagine it? A world without cancer. A world without divorce. A world without affairs. A world where kids don't die. A world where loved ones don't get MS. A world where children don't have to go off to fight wars. And God will come and wipe away every tear. Someday all things will be made new. That's what we get promised. God came once, and he's going to come back. And so even as we celebrate this, even as we recognize this tonight, that Jesus came to be with us, to wash away our sins, to to, to give us power to continue to go forward, we also say, but come again, Lord Jesus. Come again, Lord Jesus. And he promises that he is coming back. And, And knowing that changes how we live today. If we become people of hope, a blessed hope, Paul says, if we become people of hope, we will experience peace in the midst of all that's wrong. When we become people of hope, we will continue to give even when it seems foolish. Y- you see, one of the things that we do is, is, is the world looks at, at, at saying we've got to love and we've got to care and we've got to reach out to people around us and we've got to serve them. You know, the world says that's stupid. You're just going to get stepped on. And I want to say no because I know how the story ends. Because Jesus Christ, the one who was born, whose birth we celebrate on Christmas, Jesus Christ is going to come back and he will make all things new. So I live with that hope and I live with that peace. God's grace is pardon, it's power, it's promise. And all week I've been praying, all week I've been praying that somehow, someway God would do what I can't do because I can't make you experience that. I can't make you see it, but God can. And my prayer is during just the time that we have left that that somehow God will make this a holy moment, a deeply holy moment. And you will sing not just songs, and you will light not just candles, and you will think about not just presents, but you will realize that God's grace has come. That God's grace has appeared. And you'll see it. And you'll feel it. I've been praying that you would just feel it. That you would know that it's okay. Because of this baby who was born. Because when you feel the grace of God, Christmas goes from good to great. So don't settle, okay? Don't settle for a good Christmas Eve. Don't settle for a good Christmas day. Keep looking, keep opening up your heart, keep praying, keep seeking until you see God's grace just come down to you, until you know again that in this child there is pardon and there is power and there is an amazing promise of a new day coming. 
in just a minute, I'm going to pray. And then um, Kevin and the guys are going to come up, and the band's going to come up, and they're going to lead us in a couple of songs. As we do that, I'm going to go and light a candle, this candle from the, the Christ candle there. Bring the lights down. We're going to sing Silent Night and then Oh Holy Night. And I'm going to go down and I'm going to light one candle in each section. If those of you who are on the, the corners and the edges, if you light the ones down the side and then behind you, and we'll let the lights go to everybody. And during this time, if you want to sing, sing. If you want to pray, pray. If you want to just let God's grace come to you, I don't know. But, but somehow in this, I pray that you can move from good to great. And that it's not just a good moment here. Because friends, you need God's grace. It's the only thing that matters. I look at all of the pain and all of the hurt in this world. And the answer for every little bit of it comes tonight in Jesus Christ. I just pray that as we spread these lights, you will hear God saying, grace, grace to you. One other thing, um, when, you're, when you're lighting, the person whose candle is lit, uh, you leave your candle like this, okay? And then the person who's lighting it goes like this. And if you don't know why, go home and try it the other way. And when you get wax all over, let your mom yell at you. So, but so if you're lit, you hold it like this. The other person lights like this. And so, uh, again, so let's, let's pray together, all right? Father, there are a lot of things we want tonight and tomorrow. We want the music to be good. We want the family and the friends. We want the food. But, Father, I just pray right now that you will open up our hearts to see Jesus, to see his amazing grace, and to know, Lord, that we are forgiven, that we are pardoned, that there is power, that you are with us, and there is a promise of a new day coming. Father, somehow we can't make that happen to ourselves, so send your Holy Spirit right now, Father, to just open up our hearts and to wash us with that deep awareness that because Jesus Christ has come, it's okay, even though it's been all wrong. Father, let your grace break through to us right now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.